As you can probably notice already, right? Yes. Everything is chaotic and really a mess right at the moment. And not only the days, but also the nights as well. With the military coup, is it, is it just a robbery? Right now, actually, we are not feeling safe and we are not feeling peaceful and calm, even though we're trying to be. And also... Among these protests and rallies and marches and against the military coup in Myanmar, there are still some peoples and monks who think that the military is doing the right thing, there? the right job. Yeah, that's really, really disappointing. I don't know if from doing this interview there will be any danger for you. How do you feel about that and how much do you want to say? So I, I won't ask questions that, that can make a problem for you. Uh, don't worry, Zach. I don't care, basically. And, uh, you know, we are already in the danger, in the risk. So we don't, we don't care anymore. And in my language, we always say, the you know, uh, the dawn won't be that much more darker than the midnight. We are already in the midnight. So, you know, uh, the darkness won't be uh, much worse. It's already at the peak of the darkness. So we don't care. Okay. Can you tell me about just how you feel right now about what's going on, like inside, like what's on your mind, what are you thinking, and how are you feeling? Ah, uh, to make it simple in one word, I'm a feeling being bullied, and uh, the whole country would feel the same, I think, because the military they use weapons and arms, and the bully on the current existing elected government and also the publics. You know, once of the day, on the 1st of February, they coop. Everything just go chaotic, and no one feels secure, and no one feels peaceful, and we can't do anything. And nothing is now normal in Myanmar, and everyone is feeling really, really insecure. And they are making and causing problems days and nights, and not only the days, but also even the nights. And you can imagine the military and the police, they are supposed to be protecting the civilians. But now they are making troubles and they are attacking back to the civilians that they are meant to be protection. That's really so insane. That's what we've been feeling and really injustice and really, really so chaotic. That's my feeling. And I feel many other people will feel the same like me as well. Thank you. You feel bullied. That's the word you use. Like you're being bullied. Yeah, bully. Not only me, the whole country. Yes. Being bullied. Right. You know, military in Myanmar is is it just a robbery and a bullying because they have a weapons in their hands and they can use at the command. That's why with the reliance of uh, those weapons, they bully on the existing governments, elected governments and also on the public. Right at the same time, really bullied. Yeah. How are you involved right now in as a response to that feeling of being bullied? What What are you doing, and what are people around you doing? How are you participating? Uh, you know, things already changed, and the times are different. Unlike like a two thousand seven, or unlike eighteen eighty, uh, this is a different time, a different era. So we have to protest the, the military coup, and we have to say that we don't agree you, we don't accept you, we reject you, and we never agree with you, and we never stand with you, but in a peaceful manner. That's how right. we started the year. And when I started involving in the strikes and rallies, and I found out myself, where, where's my sector, and where's my strong point, and what is it related to, uh, my current jobs. So that's a trash picking. Yeah, I picking up trash, cleaning up. So, you know, many people involved in the protests, they've been marching and they've been sitting in one place, you know, two different types, basically, sitting and uh, marching around the whole young one. So they need to eat and they need to drink and they, they generate lots of trash, but they don't have a time for that. So we 
have to clean, someone have to clean up that. So I involved with where I am stronger. That's how right. I involved in the calf. Yeah. And some people are some people are actually on the other side, right? Providing providing food and drinks on the one hand, and I, then there's the people striking that are being supported, and then you're cleaning up. So it's like a whole ecosystem, a whole community of, of uh, people who have different roles. It's very sounds very organized. Oh yeah, that's really what amazing and what makes me amazed. And uh, I think also the whole country, I think, because, you know, no one is leading this track, actually. Like in 2007 or like in 1988, uh, there were leaders organizing these events. But in here, in 2021, no one is actually leading uh, the strikes or the donations or those cleaning apps. Everyone is equally involved in the strikes, taking their own respective roles. You know, the donors, they've been giving food, drinks, snacks, and even some medicines and ambulance and everything is ready. And also they are struggling there and we are collecting the trash and everyone is really, really in the perfect cycle. Amazing, really amazing. Yeah. Yeah, it sounds very organic, uh, very natural, uh, a whole communal effort of people working together. Yeah. And pardon me for saying, but in normal situations, <laughs> it, uh, Myanmar doesn't seem so organized, you know, and yet during these times, it's like very organized, but in a very beautiful and natural way, like you said, in a very decentralized way there's nobody leading everyone else it's just coming naturally from the people yeah that's really amazing basically basically as you say Myanmar people are quite disorganized and they're quite chaotic and in this time of difficulty and heart you know they come really together and unite because they know if we are united we will win the fight that's the key point and the key motivation to me yeah. Where do you think the organization comes from? How do you think it's happening so organically? And so it's it kind of not kind of it's actually a very beautiful phenomenon. I mean, it's a, it's amazing knowing that Burmese culture is not normally so organized. Where do you think that's coming from? How do people know what to do? Like, how is the puzzle pieces like fitting together and coming together so nicely? Do you have any idea where that? Where from deep inside this is coming to everyone? Any ideas? Uh, I don't know exactly, but the, the thing is, like, we have already enjoyed the freedom of a speech and the internet and the commu communications really wide open for six, seven years already in Myanmar. That taught a lot, quite really too much a lot. That's really a leapfrog for the generations now. And they have already learned quite a lot of things through the internet and through the wide open communications throughout the world. You know, like before, no one has ever had experience in Myanmar. Not Generation Y, neither Generation you know, X or whatever, only the Generation Z. They've been, they've been self-learning quite a lot. And we've been trying to keep uh, up with them. Uh, we don't. We don't want to be left behind them. That's why we have to be really keep trying, and uh, they are quite really uh, accepted with the new things, and and uh, they are adjustive and adaptive, uh, quite flexible. So they've been learning a lot, uh, seeing a lot, and uh, they've been taking what is good and what is suitable to their situations, and uh, quite amazingly, nowadays. No one ever in the strikes wants to react back to the authorities with the force or weapons. Everyone just wants to, you know, uh, sit peacefully or march peacefully to strike. And everyone has the same mindset like, we won't and we don't and we will never react back to the authorities in a forceful manner. We will always uh, show our words and our strikes peacefully, in a peaceful manner. That's amazing. 
Right. It doesn't sound so much like anger. It sounds just like strength. What do you think about that? Is there a feeling of anger? And if there's not a feeling of anger, what is the feeling that drives like that firm resolve to to be strong, but not to be violent? Any ideas? Uh, the generation one as well, they have experiences from 88 and 2007, Southern Revolution. So they've known that uh, the military people is uh, playing the same old tricks. They will make, they will, they will make people angry, furious as, at them. And uh, they, once the people got furious and uh, a bit of chaotic, then they can use the power, the weapon on them. So that's what they want. We feel, but people, we this time we are united and much more cleverer with the generation Z, and they know that we don't want to go into their trap. They are trapping us, and we don't go there. And we will always strike peacefully because you know the main target is to drop them down to win the fight. And to win the fight, we are going to use whatever is a global value. A common value, apart from the balance. Apart from the balance, you know, what that means we're going to use and we won't face them directly being attacked. If I am being attacked today and endure, I, I can join in the fight tomorrow. Then one will lose. So we don't want to have in that thing. And if we have 100 people striking today, tomorrow we even 150 or 200 people. So we want even more and more people. That's why we always know that the value of each individual, I must not get hurt today, and nobody else must not get hurt today, not tomorrow or not, every other day, as long as the fight is going on. So we must keep ourselves safe so that we can keep fighting till we can drop the military down and until we can get our democracy back. That's the motivation to me. Yeah. Right. It's... It's very clever, and there's some wisdom in it that's based on experience. It sounds like that, that there's some reflection on what's happened before and learning from uh, mistakes and not, not playing into the trap, like you said. That's brilliant. Are other generations also involved? Is it mostly just the young generation, or is the whole all generations kind of coming in the same? What do you see there? Yes, but for the strikes on the streets, mostly. Uh, the younger generation only, like my age is one of the oldest, basically, like around 30, uh, 35, 40, not more than that. But there are a few, not too many. But still, so many people, uh, every generation is joining in the strike from their homes, like they've been involving and participating in the CDM, civil disobedience movement, and every other way they can support. And many people now have been donating lots and lots and lots of hundreds and thousands and hundreds and thousands of money to support the, the CDMRs, the CDM uh, who is taking part in the CDM because they've been threatened by the uh, military and uh, by the respective ministries. Uh, they would, now some of them, they've been exiled from the residence and they've been threatened not to get any salary by the end of the month or, you know, those kind of things. So the whole community come together, contributing lots and lots of money to support them. And also some people be offering them, I have this apartment, I have this house, and anyone come and can stay here for maybe a couple of months or whatever, as long as the strike goes on, as long as you've been taking part in the CDM and you've been threatened and you've been, you know, unsafe in your area come and stay here and come and, you know, take a shelter, those kind of things. So even if you don't see a bit of much older generations on the street that much, but they've been supporting from the behind. And this time, unlike the old times, the parents, they've also willingly let their kids go onto the street. Unlike our time, when we were just kids and our parents won't allow us and they will say, you will be arrested, you will be tortured, and you will get killed by the military or by those kind of uh, riots on the streets. Don't go. But today, the parents, 
they support their kids. I believe in you. You can make yourself safe, and I know you will make your home, uh, your way back home tonight. So please go strike and make yourself safe. That's the parents today. That's quite amazing as well. And so every community from every walks of life, from every background, so be involving, even including some policemen and firefighters and lots and lots of people. Be really involving. Yeah. Right. I saw some policemen actually step down and, and join the strikes mm -hmm. themselves. Yeah. Yeah. And so you're saying that the whole community is involved. Like, if you take a picture yeah. of who's there on the street, it's mostly the young generation, but the support is coming from yeah. all sides. And you, you mentioned this yeah. word CDM, just for people listening, that means civil disobedience movement, right? Yes. Yes. So civil disobedience movement, though, you mean specifically that there's people in like government posts that are refusing to go to work. And this is having a big effect on on the government and the country. It's not running properly. And so this is very important to to the, the military. And then everyone is protecting, offering salaries, offering food for these particular people. Right. So the civil disobedience yes. is mostly like that kind of action. Is that what you mean? Or is yes. it more than that? Many, many people refuse to go to the office and do their parts because they were working under the government, their own chosen government. But now their own chosen government was being dethroned by the military and the military is taking the place. So the military dictators are not their chosen government. They're not their leader. They are not their leader. They are not our leader. So we won't listen to them and we won't participate in the mechanisms, we, so we refuse and we reject. We don't go to the office and we don't do what we have to do in the offices, especially in the ministries, in different ministries. So they're being threatened and uh, kind of those things. And uh, the CDMs is one of the, the strongest and a powerful movements. And now the military is really, really shaking. And that's why you've been Maybe you might probably already seen like they be robbing even the pagodas. Like they be robbing Shurgon Pagoda and they be robbing some uh, uh, philanthropic foundations like Dokenji Foundations, uh, founded by NLD National Lake for Democracy. Dokenji is Osansuji's mother, and in her name they founded an organization called Dokenji Foundation. They've been doing lots of things, and there are hundreds and thousands of money donated by the people, both inside and outside the country, for the vaccine, for the COVID-19 vaccine, because the, the, the government aimed to be able to give the COVID-19 vaccine free of charge to the whole country. So they requested the, the general public to contribute, to take a part in. So the whole community came in together and donated, and there's a hundreds of thousands of money and the other night, the government already took it. Yeah. Wow. And so they've they've stolen money from the Shwedegan Pagoda and any, anywhere, even philanthropic organizations that have a big pool of money. They and and then that just seems like it makes their reputation worse, huh? And then and on the other side. Uh, your behavior, the people striking and the people uh, protesting, the, the behavior of Myanmar people is not going down. The behavior is going up as far as good behavior. So it's a beautiful thing to see. Yeah, but you know, when I when I say the whole community is uh, taking part in the strikes against the military government, but, but right at the same time, there were a few there are a few people as well who thinks that the military is doing the right thing, the right job, because they, they've been, you know, somehow brainwashed by the military propagandas and the name of the protection of the religion and the national identity and things like that. I've been seeing even some of my old friends, monks. You know, I, I was a former monk, right? I just came back only three years already. So right. some of my old friends, and they've been somehow uh yeah somehow uh with the guy with the military government military dictators because they think that the military is uh, 
taking the right, uh, doing the right job to protect the country from like uh, some kind of religious attack or foreign uh, influential things or things like that. It's really, really crazy. They can't see the situation on the streets. So what's happening in our streets and homes? Amazing. They don't see it? Mm. To be honest, I was one, I was one of them, you know, like uh, a few years back, I support the, the patriotic monks, the national patriotic monks, and I really am with them. I really was with them, and I fully supported them. But later, slowly, I realized, and uh, some of them, they have a good heart. They mean really good for the country and for the religion, but, you know, uh, yeah, with a good heart and a less uh, rational or reasonable thinking. So they are quite easily being brainwashed and overwhelmed by the propagandas. So they then like democratic government, the Aung San government is uh, giving favor of other religions and really much relying on the foreign governments and the foreign, those kind of foreign cultures and things being really too much influence on our people, and on our governments and things like that. But here, just look at past six, seven years, we, we have lived quite peacefully. And even if we don't like the government for this or for that, we have the right of freedom, the right to make our boys be hard by the government. But on the first day of February, on the day the military coup, and we lost everything we had. Even on that day, the fear that came in into the people's mind and heart and the chaotic started even on that day. So they can just see, you cannot make your own business. You cannot stay quite peacefully. Even if you don't take part in the strike or even if you, you, you don't agree with the military government, still their power will be overwhelming on you, and we even don't believe in the military because they said like they will uh, take the power for a, a year, but we don't believe. What do they mean a year? That might be a decade or maybe even a century if they have enough power. They never, they never keep their words. They never keep their promise. So, yeah. Sorry, I, I, I'm, I was in everywhere. Sorry, not disorganized. <laughs> <laughs> No problem. <laughs> what reason did they give? According to the Constitution, they can declare a state of emergency, uh, which they did. But what did they say? What was the emergency that they declared? What was the reason they gave for for this move? Ah, <laughs> what they gave is like uh, the vote. The vote. Ah. The vote. They said, yeah. You know, in the vote, they said there were many uh, false facts, actually, they said, because sometimes uh, uh, people who voted, uh, like, uh, with the one name, like, a hundred times, or some people are already, like, uh, more than 100 years old, and uh, some people are, like, uh, less than 16 years old, or things like that. That's the, the declaration. Actually, uh, to my experience and uh, to the situation right now in Myanmar, we don't have a, a strong consensus and we don't have a strong statistics in Myanmar yet. So there might be a few mistakes. There might be, who knows? But uh, in, in 2015 elections as well, there were a few mistakes with the names and with the list because uh, we don't have a, a strong statistics in Myanmar yet, but still this time uh, they make this point and, and, uh, and they said this is something really worse and really bad. Even if the vote is not equal, it's not the section to talk about. And if someone wants to talk, the other rival parties should make it their own price hard. And now the public already, you know, challenged the military. If you think the boat is cheated or being cheated, come on, come 
Hamas left it on the state. The military people or whoever with against the NAD people and sit on the stage and the people will stand in front of a stage and will give our vote in front of your very eyes. Do you dare to do that? We can do that. The public can do that. But do you really dare to do that, actually? Just to make a challenge if you think the vote is not right. So we can do that. But they don't dare to do that. Yeah. So it's just, you know, a false uh, exclamation. Right. So your friends, some of the people you know that were very much uh, in the last few years into the nationalist idea, the nationalist movement, um, and they think the military government has done a good job. And what we've talked about in the last 30 minutes is about how good the behavior has been, uh, very strong, but very well behaved and very organized in, of the people striking and protesting. And the behavior of the the army so far has been going down and, and obvious to everyone. Um, what do you think it will take to change uh, the minds of those people? Uh, you know, I don't know with the widespread of those internet and, and really faster flowing of information those propaganda will work on the weak-minded people and those who do not make the white study daily, like let alone Myanmar, even in U.S., they have a lot of those propagandas and now still lots and lots of many people still believe in the Trump, right? So this thing right. we cannot avoid. We cannot avoid. All we can do is the, the comparison of the situation. Let's see the situation under the military government and let's see the situation under the uh, democratic elected government, be it an LD or be it another party, whoever. At least, you know, even if we don't, we don't like, uh, we don't say the things and president things and government is not 100% fully elected government, but still it was better than the military time. So, if you are being elected a government under the being elected government and your situation is always getting better, the education and, you know, the right to speak and the right to do everything rightful, you, you, you can go to bed quite easily, peacefully, without any worry about from your personal and the business thing. And the rest, you don't need to worry. But now, under the military government, you even cannot go to bed peacefully. You have to worry who's going to knock your door in the midnight and you will be taken away. And no one, even your family members or whoever, don't know where you are going to be taken. And who knows, you might get lost somewhere, just disappear, boom. You know, those kind of things. And that they have to know. Like, even if some, some people, some of the nationalist people, they think that the military is doing the right thing, because they, they also see the really, really majority of Myanmar people, Myanmar civilians, being taken involved in the strikes against the military dictators. So they know the power. That's why uh, they don't dare to talk that much right at the moment. Right. Because it's like a 90% to 10%. It's a quite, yeah, not a problem. And... What are the specific behaviors of the of the army right now? What what do you see happening? Oh, last night, last night, lots and lots of military trucks have been driving, coming into town in Yango, and also even those. How do you got that thing? Armor trucks or whatever you call that? I don't know tanks. in English. They did tanks. Yeah, tanks. Yeah, tanks. Those tanks being dri driving along Yango streets. But, you know, this is a strike against the military government by the civilians, by the normal people. We are not armed groups. We are not rebellion people with armed. We are not fighting the, the military government with the weapons. We don't have a gun. We don't have a nuclear weapon. We don't have anything. We are just, you know, showing the, the placards, uh, the signs with the, something that we want to talk. And we are just marching on the streets and sitting on the streets peacefully. But like they've been treating the public with like they've been treating with the other armed groups. No, this is no war against, you know, between two 
armed groups. This is the civilian people, the normal people against the military dictatorship. But they've been driving those tanks on the youngest trees. And last night, they were, you know, sh shooting with the guns in Yijina. Like, you know, everywhere. And yesterday, they've been shooting in Mandalay. And last week, they've been shooting in Nebiro. And again, was killed. She was just there, standing and just looking. And someone just, you know, specifically pointed the gun out there and shot her dead death. That's really amazing. So you can imagine the situation with the with the military. They've been treating the, the civilians and the public as a rebellions, uh, as a armed groups. It's so shocking. How can they do that? Huh. Yeah. I've heard stories about them sending sending people into the communities uh, to affect the water or to burn houses yes. or I yes. I don't know uh, I only heard secondhand uh, can you tell me about what you've seen there and, and about that and then what are people doing about that uh, there are lots of rumors right at the same time I think 20,000 uh, 23,000 prisoners were released a couple of days ago and some of them, not all, and some of them, they were being used by the military government to suppress around the younger at night. That's true. You know, uh, they have created a, a, a philanthropic group with the ambulances or those kind of, you know, thing just to strike to against the, the strikes. And with those uh, fake ambulances and sometimes uh, uh, the vehicles, they load those prisoners and they separate them around younger streets, even in our township. Our township is just suburban township in North Dakota. And uh, the other night, we had them around our neighborhood. And around the whole Yangon, some were being caught by the general public and they've been questioned. When they've been questioned, they make a peaceful life video right at the same time. So they are, they are real, real. But many people, they seem to be just, you know, kind of uh, not in their mind. They've been, they be, you know, poisoned or some kind of drug, uh, some, some kind of thing. They, they are really, and then can treat it with a narcotic, some kind of narcotic drugs. So they are not in their normal mind. And some of them, with them, they have uh, the, the glass bottles filled with lots of oils and a piece of clothes in there. And at the top, you, you make a fire and if you throw it, it to a house or somewhere, then, you know, in a minute, the fire will spread. But with the water poisoning or things, uh, people were talking, but I don't know what exactly, but... With the fire and with those people separating around younger, it's true. Now, in our streets, we have to make gates and we have to uh, form night watch groups. So, like, uh, you know, everyone has to be watching the night so that we can sleep uh, really okay and in peaceful manner. Otherwise, really going to be crazy. And I don't know why, right at the same time, uh, some rumors that I, I haven't seen it myself, but some people say that uh, the drones were also uh, roaming over the younger skies at night. But at the same time, they sent out the people. So maybe they might want to show that the public is uh, uh, right outside on the street with the sticks. And, uh, you know, all we have is uh, sticks and bamboo sticks. That's it. So if uh, someone is in the uh, street, Right in the midnight, uh, with the aim to do some harm to the public properties, and uh, the general public have to gather around on the street, and they have to capture those guys, and they have to ask them the question. But in some places, after them, there were a few military trucks as well. So, like in once they've connected, uh, conducted to do the military people, and the trucks were arrived there, and we, I don't know, we we catch or we attack the people. 
So those are real happening in Yangon. And even in our street, we have to form those night watch groups and we have to do it uh, hourly duties now. Yeah. I heard also that even some of them were, uh, their heads were shaved and they were dressed up like monks. Did you see any of that? And how do you feel about that? Yes, yes. Maybe that's the, the last part of the government, uh, the military government's blessing. As always, they want to create some kind of religious problems. So like uh, some of them, they've been shaved head and uh, the other day they said immediately, 200 monks' robes were bought in a day. So, and they're being, they're being sent with robes and shirt hat, and some of them being caught. But, you know, if a public cannot control the anger and do some kind of harm on them, then they will make a record of that, and they will spread the message back again to the nationalist people. Like, you know, they've been even beating the men, some people like this. And also, then by at the time, uh, there might be a problem between the nationalists and uh, those who is being striking against uh, the military. Then they have a good reason. The country is uh, in the chaotic problem and fighting each other. That's why we have to use the power. That's why we have to use the weapon on the public. So no one can blame. They've been looking for a reason, a strong reason so that they can use the weapon on the publics. They just want to finish these strikes by using force and weapons, but they still can't because they can't find any reason. And everyone is striking really quite peacefully. That might be one of the propaganda. That's what I feel now. Yeah. So dressing up people like monks, they're fake monks, but they look like real monks. This is another trap, you think. Is that right? Yes, but you know, public is not that stupid, and we can differentiate who is the real monk or who is the fake monk. You know, you just shake your head today, and if you wear the robes, <laughs> your look is quite obvious, and you're not familiar with wearing the robes, even if you have years of experiences in the past. Not the same. Even myself, already three years away from the robes, and if I shave my head today and wear the robes today, then people can differentiate that and just put on the road today with my look. You know, it's already quite different. And the real monks, they are still somehow uh, different in the looks. We, we, we can differentiate who's the real monk or who's the fake monk. So that's not going to work. You know, sorry, military. That's not going to work. Yeah. Some of these people have been caught, right, by the people. Uh, by the protesters, by the strikers. And you say it's a trap because they're looking for these people to to beat them or something. So instead, when these people are caught, how are they treated? It's, that's what I'm really impressed with our civilians, with our public right now. The other day, they caught a few people and they asked the question. And yeah, of course, some of some of the public, they were really angry at them, so they, want, they wanted to beat them. But also, uh, another side of the public, they are quite peaceful. So everyone is under control, and no one is being beaten, beaten by the public. And instead, some of them, they were fed with the rice and with the food. You know, amazing, really amazing. That makes me really, you know, cry. So those public people, they are really clever and kind-hearted because they know these prisoners and those troublemakers, they are as well uh, part of our community and, and also the victims of those military dictators and they are just being used. Maybe they might be, uh, they might be threatened with their life or they might be treated with some narcotic drugs, that's why we show our sympathy. Even in our street, we already agreed, if someone were found, we were trying to catch him or her, and we were trying to treat him or her quite well. And uh, we will find out what's uh, the motive behind, that we won't beat them, and we won't attack them. We won't make any harm to them. Instead, we will, you know, uh, 
in case we, we, we found them and we capture one or whatever of them, we will interview them and we will conduct the uh, some kind of, you know, um, uh, reporters. And uh, in case we have a hold of them, we bring them in front of the, the embassies or whatever the next day and we will interview them. But we won't, we won't hurt them. And instead, we will feed and be nice to them. That's the mindset of the public right at the moment. And that's how they've been treating with those troublemakers and the fire makers. But, you know, in Yango, already a few places are being burned down by them already. But even that, they are not beating that. Amazing, right? People are quite really amazing now. Yeah, it is amazing. It's like it's it's like a victory by kindness. It's a beautiful. Yeah. Actually. Yeah, really beautiful. Yeah. So actually, I don't have any more questions because I don't actually know any more about the situation than what we talked about. What we've talked about so far is what I know. Is there is there more? Do you have any more to share about something happening that uh, we haven't talked about yet? Well, I think that's that's all I think. But also, one thing that I want to add is uh, thank you to the foreigners who's been living in Myanmar or who had lived in Myanmar as well. Because uh, those who are still in Myanmar, they've been collecting money through their friends, through their communities, so that they can support to the CDM people or to the needy people and even last night one of my friends she called me and she told me she had already like um, $1,200 or something in hand and she wants to support some basic needs to the really needy family and but she doesn't know where to find out and because I'm a local and because I'm being involved in those things I might know those really really uh, starving in the public so she wants to donate to those people with the basic needs like rice, oil, and things like that. And we've been planning that thing as well. Even if we don't know, there are many, many those kind of kind-hearted foreigners as well in Myanmar. They've been really, you know, she said like she's been in Myanmar for already a few years and she haven't done anything good yet to pay back to the gratitude. That's why she, she wants to do something good right at the time the country is needed. So, like in her skill, maybe a thousand dollar, maybe two thousand dollars she collected, and she herself also contributed, and she wants to contribute to the really needed people. That's really amazing. So, thank you to those foreigners who is still living in Myanmar, and also some of those foreigners who have lived in Myanmar, as well as even not been to Myanmar. They've been spreading. They've been worrying with us. They've been concerning. And they've been almost always with us in mind, even if the body is away. And they've been spreading the message and they've been make our voices heart by the word. Thank you to them as well, including you, Zach. You've been doing a great job. Thank you very much. Well, you're very welcome. And it's, it's nice to see that the kindness of the behavior that's happening now is actually attracting more kindness and more generosity and that's just growing and growing. And uh, my wish is that everyone is safe uh, on all sides. You know, I hope there is wisdom and kindness. Even hopefully, it will spread more and more to even the 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 army. I hope that spreads in a beautiful way to everyone. And then I hope, of course, for peace and happiness for for all people. So please, uh, please be safe. Uh, please do what you think is right, and uh, we all. We all support uh, what's happening. So yes, I just want to send my good wishes to you and everyone, everyone there. Thank you, thank you very much. Now we know what our target and what our goal is. So we will go to our goal till we reach in a peaceful manner and in a peaceful way. You know, right now, kind of we are helpless, but helpless, no problem. We can sticky fight it on. And if we feel like hopeless, then we are gone. So we don't and we won't and we will never ever lose our hope. And we will be keep hoping and fighting for the light to shed on our darkness. Just follow Myanmar. Thank you very much for your support and for the rest of the world as well, for being with us.
I'd like to take this time to offer sincere gratitude for those listeners who have supported our effort. Thank you. Without your generous contribution, we would not be able to do what we're doing. And if you've not yet donated, we'd like to take a moment to remind everyone that our work is 100% listener-supported. In fact, no team member receives full remuneration for their work. Some volunteer their time, while others offer a large discount for their professional services. But even so, Every episode we produce has a cost. Any contribution of any amount that you make towards Insight Myanmar will allow us to continue our work and pump out more content for meditators related to the Dhamma in the Golden Land. If you would like to join in our mission to share the Dhamma from the Golden Land more widely, we welcome your contribution in any form, currency, or transfer method. Every cent goes immediately and directly to sustaining the programming. You can give right on our website via credit card by going to insightmyanmar.org slash donation or through PayPal by going to paypal.me slash insightmyanmar. We also take donation through Patreon, Venmo, GoFundMe, and Cash App. In all cases, simply search Insight Myanmar on each platform and you'll find our account. Alternatively, you can also visit our website for specific links to any of these respective accounts, or feel free to email us at info at insightmyanmar.org. In all cases, that's Insight Myanmar, one word, spelled I-N-S-I-G-H-T-M-Y-A-N-M-A-R. If you would like to give in another way, please contact us. Thank you for your kind consideration. You have been listening to the Insight Myanmar podcast. We would appreciate it very much if you would be willing to rate, review, and or share this podcast. Every little bit of feedback helps. If you are interested, you can subscribe to the Insight Myanmar podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Also, please check out our website for a list of our complete episodes, including additional text, videos, and other information at www.insightmyanmar.org. That's Insight Myanmar, one word, I-N-S-I-G-H-T-M-Y-A-N-M-A-R. If you cannot find our feed on your podcast player, please let us know and we will ensure that it can be offered there. There was certainly a lot to talk about in this episode, and we'd like to encourage listeners to keep the discussion going. Make a post, request specific questions, and join in our discussions on the Insight Myanmar podcast Facebook group. You are also most welcome to follow our Facebook and Instagram accounts by the same name, of Insight Myanmar. And if you're not on Facebook, you can also message us directly at burmadhamma at gmail.com. That's B-U-R-M-A-D-H-A-M-M-A at gmail.com, and we're also active on Dhamma Wheel. If you'd like to start up a discussion group on another platform, let us know, and we can share that forum here. Finally, we're open to suggestions about guests or topics for future episodes. So if you have someone or something in mind, please do be in touch. We would also like to take this time to thank everyone who made this podcast possible, especially our two sound engineers, Martin Combs and Tharng A. There's, of course, Zach Hessler, content collaborator and part-time co-host. Ken Pransky helps with editing. Dragos Bandita and Andre Francois produce original artwork. And a special Mongolian volunteer who is asked to remain anonymous does our social media templates. We'd also like to thank everyone who assisted us in arranging for the guests we have interviewed so far. And of course, we send a big thank you to the guests themselves for agreeing to come and share such powerful personal stories. Finally, we are immensely grateful for the donors who made this entire thing possible. We also remind our listeners that the opinions expressed by our guests are their own and not necessarily reflective of the host or other podcast contributors. Please also note, as we are mainly a volunteer team, we do not have the capacity to fact check our guest interviews. By virtue of being invited on our show, there is a trust that they will be truthful and not misrepresent themselves or others. If you have any concerns about the statements made on this or other shows, please contact us. This recording is the exclusive right of Insight Myanmar podcast and may not be used without the expressed written permission of the podcast owner, which includes video, audio, written transcripts, and excerpts of any episodes. It is also not meant to be used for commercial purposes. 
On the other hand, we are very open to collaboration. So if you have a particular idea in mind for sharing any of our podcasts or podcast-related information, please feel free to contact us with your proposal. As you know, our podcasts are 100% listener-supported. We welcome your contribution in any amount, denomination, and transfer method. You may give via Patreon at patreon.com slash insightmyanmar, via PayPal at paypal.me slash insightmyanmar, or by credit card by going to insightmyanmar.org slash donation. In all cases, that's Insight Myanmar, one word, I-N-S-I-G-H-T-M-Y-A-N-M-A-R. If you'd like to give especially to support our new run of coronavirus episodes, please go on the GoFundMe site and search Insight Myanmar to find our campaign. If you are in Myanmar and would like to give a cash donation, please feel free to get in touch with us. Thanks, and see you next show.